0: Matthew chapter 5 verse 20 it says for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven We're going to look at this topic of righteousness on today in this verse As Jesus explained the full concept of righteousness Make sure you stay tuned as we're going to paint the full picture of righteousness
1: you were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church visit the church's website at bgc.family and now here's your bible teacher darius good
0: thank you for joining us today this is the good treasure podcast show my name is darius good visit the website today dariusgood.com that's d-a-r-i-u-s-g-o-o-d.com i am a book author I'm also the pastor of Bible Gospel Center. If you want to visit the church's website, as you heard already, visit our website at bgc.family. If you visit my website today, we have information regarding our podcast shows, as well as several books that I've put together. One I'd like to highlight on today is the book regarding wisdom. The book is entitled Unlocking Godly Wisdom, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. So, we're gonna deal with the topic of Solomon's Seven Pillars. It's an incredible book. It explains what the spirit of wisdom is and how God's wisdom is available to all of his children so that we'll know how to make the right decisions. We wanna make decisions with wisdom, and if you're making decisions on your own, then you're using human reasoning and wisdom. But God's wisdom is available to us. And this book helps us unlock godly wisdom. We've been looking at this topic of righteousness, and we've been looking at this verse here in Matthew chapter five. Jesus makes a very interesting statement, and he describes two groups, the scribes and the Pharisees in this verse. And then he's talking about the concept of righteousness. And so as we look at this verse, it says, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So let's first define righteousness. This is the definition according to the Greek word. It means the state of him who is as he ought to be. So this means that God's original plan for man and woman, this is the place, the state that man is supposed to be at. Righteousness is the definition. It keeps going. The condition acceptable to God, the condition acceptable to God. So righteousness is the standard God has predetermined for man to walk in. We understand that when Adam sinned, that he fell. And the scripture says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So righteousness is the returning of man to the place of glory that God originally ordained his original concept for man that deals with Adam and Eve. As we've already explained, righteousness is not predetermined by man. You cannot determine what righteousness is. So when people say, I feel like I'm a good person, I feel like I'm going to go to heaven. That means you have came up with your own concept of righteousness. So in your mind, being a good person is a qualification to go to heaven. Well, that's not true according to the scriptures. It's the confession with the mouth that Jesus is Lord believing in his life, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is how men are saved. We're saved by faith, believing in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If you feel that you are, are, are saved or have the access to heaven by being a good person, that is called good works. And there's no work that is that we can do. There's no amount of labor, amount of effort, not even writing checks and donating money, a lifestyle of benevolence, or even philanthropists they give away millions of dollars. But guess what? You can't create the standard by which God has to honor in order to gain access into heaven. So righteousness is not predetermined by man. Otherwise, we would have thousands, if not millions of different definitions of righteousness. But there's one already established by God. And so, righteousness brings us to the standard that God has preordained for man. It's the level at which God approves man. According to this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter five, Jesus said that your righteousness has to exceed, go beyond, so that means do what they're doing and go beyond the scribes as well as the Pharisees. So that means both of these groups were doing something good. So there's something we have to take from both of these groups and incorporate it into our life, our lifestyle, our mindset in order to be righteous according to God's standard. but both of these groups together does not reach the level and standard of righteousness. That God has preordained for man. So let me paint this picture this way. The scribes, let's say they're doing 33%. Pharisees, they're doing 33%. You put these two groups together. I began to do uh, what the scribes are doing, what the Pharisees are doing, and I'm only reaching 66% of what God has required for me in my walk with him. So there is something missing And we on last week covered a good portion of this. It deals with the righteousness of faith. As already explained, it starts with the belief in Jesus Christ and his lordship. All of this is important with the concept of righteousness. So these are our three pieces of the pie. So what I want to do on today is define these three pieces and paint a full picture of what righteousness looks like. If you say, I'm righteous, I'm just, that's another word we use throughout the scriptures. If you consider yourself righteous in God's eyes, then what you're saying is, I am the righteousness of the scribes, I'm the righteousness of the Pharisees, and I'm also the righteousness of faith. Your definition and your concept of righteousness has to include these three parts. Let's start with the scribes. And we covered this in more detail back in episode number nine. And so we're just going to do a a overview. But the scribes were teachers. These were teachers. They understood the law of Moses, the law of Moses. There are the Ten Commandments, but there are six hundred and thirteen laws or mitzvah. They were established by Moses at Mount Sinai. And the scribes were experts in the law. The scribes weren't just those that wrote or, or were able to uh, write the law. Um, and that was part of their duties and responsibilities. They were learned men with the ability to write. And so they were responsible for writing uh, documents that included um, the marriage agreements, uh, divorce uh, contracts, or the bill of divorce. Um, and the other documentation that was necessary, the scribes were a part of the the uh, court system established by Moses. And so if they went to go see the priest, the priests were a part of the court. When there was a discrepancy, um, two brothers were at odds with each other, and they would go to the judge, the court. they would go see the priest, and they would look at the law of Moses to make a determination regarding the matter it's the scribes that were experts at the law of Moses so these were teachers of the law if you envision uh the the Hebrew people um the Jews when they would meet for service they were being taught the laws of Moses it was not like church that we have today they would sit and they would hear the law So everyone, a part of the nation of Israel, all the Israelites knew the law of Moses. They were taught from birth. It was the scribes that were part of that responsibility of teaching them the law. So the scribes, the righteousness of the scribes. These are people, men that were learned in the scriptures. They had a good handle on the law. Oftentimes, if they did argue, they argued the minor discrepancies but not the law itself. And so if you look at our court system, they're in essence the, the lawyers, the judges, um, and those that were responsible for teaching the people the law of Moses. There were good scribes, um, and we see that throughout the scriptures, and I cover that more in detail in episode nine. Um, so I don't want us to label the scribes as being this group that was anti-Jesus, um, that came to oppose Jesus, But these were experts in the law um, that would come and ask Jesus different questions, and they would argue with him like attorneys would do as they are looking at the law from different angles. And so these men stood on the law, they understood the law, and they presented the law as essence, uh, the righteousness required by God for all men, men and women to live by. So when we apply this to our New Testament understanding, we need to be versed in the scriptures. We need to have a working understanding of the the law as well as the prophets and the New Testament teachings. Um, Some people discount the Old Testament. We can't. The New Testament is built on the Old Testament. You do not understand who Jesus is if you don't understand the Old Testament Because the whole Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ. He was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so, I want to give you these New Testament scriptures to kind of highlight this sort of mindset. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, you should be as those able to teach. But now you need milk. You need to be taught again. What is he saying? They had... They had learned um, some things, and now at this point, they were regressing rather than having understanding the working knowledge of the Scriptures. They should have been at this stage not only walking in the Scriptures, living according to the Scriptures, but having the ability to teach those that are younger in the faith. This is the scribes. And so in our modern-day churches, we hear these messages of the word, the word, got to learn the word and know the word. And some people say that I love the word of God and they're talking about the scriptures. Well, this would be the scribes. You can't have a walk with God, journey with God, and not have an understanding of the scriptures. Uh, he's often pointing to the scriptures, giving us the word, the past tense, the logos, word of God, speaking to us through the lives of these different Men and women in the scriptures, we need to know these stories and we need to know these passages of scriptures It's important in our walk with God But as I mentioned, this is only 33% To have a deep, profound understanding of the scriptures is only 33% of righteousness And so that's what I'm pushing on today, sometime in our churches We only push one angle of righteousness but we're missing two thirds. So now the second portion would be the Pharisees who also were experts of the law, but they believed in prayer and they also believed in giving of alms. So they, be- they believe that righteousness centered around a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of fasting, but also a lifestyle where you're you're giving. So you see people in need and you're meeting their needs. So this is the righteousness of the Pharisees. We see this in our modern day churches, churches that are given to prayer. We must pray, we must pray. Yes, we must pray. That is a requirement if you're part of the church, if you're if you're saved. Communion with the Father, communion with the Holy Ghost is a absolute requirement. If you're going to be saved. And so we push on prayer. We push on fasting. We push on the, the need to go out and and uh, do good works. So now we're working with the homeless. We're working with those in need. Uh, we're working with uh, battered women. We're working with single moms. We're working with and we're just uh, picking out demographic in groups of people that we can be a help to. This is the righteousness of the Pharisees. So now we put these two groups together. It looks like people that know the scriptures, they know the word of God. Many of them could quote the scriptures, they could give you an exegesis on the scriptures and tell you the Greek and the Hebrew words. They're given to a lifestyle of prayer. And so they pray and they know the different types of prayers. We understand there's not just one type of prayer. The prayer petition is one prayer of agreement is another prayer of faith is another praying in tongues is another. And there are so many other prayers like prayers of supplication prayers of intercession. All these types of prayers have different rules different laws, spiritual laws that are attached to these different types of prayers. So the Pharisees were men given to prayer. This is why Jesus pushed on it when he said, if you're praying in public, then you're praying so that others could see you as a deep individual, a person given to prayer. Then you have received your reward. It's better that you go into private. He says, go into your prayer closet, into a place really where you're not being seen, but you're having this deep, intimate relationship in prayer with the living God. This is the Pharisees. So as we're putting these two concepts together. We got those that understand the word. And let me add this as well. The scribes, as they taught the law, lived according to the law. So this would be teachings that we hear because the law said, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Do not commit adultery. Honor thy mother and thy father. We have the Ten Commandments. In addition, there was the 613 laws of Moses. And so in our modern day church, when we hear do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. And we can go to our list in Galatians that highlights or lists for us the works of the flesh which is fornication, adultery, lasciviousness, uh, um, and that, that list goes on and on. I think it's about 18 works of the flesh that are listed in that passage there. When this becomes the dominant message, this is the righteousness of the scribes. Live according, according to the laws of God. Do not break the laws of God. Now, let me explain this. People say that we are no longer under the law. No longer under the law does not mean the law has been done away with. If the law has been done away with, what was once illegal to do, not lawful to do, would now be lawful. But where he said, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness. If we do away with the law, that means we can now commit adultery. We could bear false witness, we could murder, but we know that's not the case. So Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He explained that in Matthew chapter 5. He came to fulfill it. The fulfillment means to bring it to its point of completion. What am I explaining? The one third that is missing. But we still have the, the uh, righteousness of the scribes. We maintain the righteousness of the Pharisees. But the part that's missing is the righteousness of faith. Let me, let me try and explain it this way. When it comes to the righteousness of faith, in that same passage where he talks about the works of the flesh, he says that if we are led by the Spirit of God, then we will not fulfill the lust or the works of the flesh. After he lists all the works of the flesh, he says that we are to have the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness. And he has this list there. At the end of that passage, he says, against such, there is no law. So when we live a life now no longer under the law, it doesn't mean the law does not apply anymore. What he's saying is we're living a lifestyle of love where the fruit that's being experienced in our life is that of love, meekness, long-suffering, joy. There's no loss for that. And if men will live according to this lifestyle, the New Testament requirement of righteousness, then our entire court system would go out of business. Judges hear cases because men cannot get along. We're in opposition. We're lawbreakers. We even break our word. So now we got to go to court so the judge can make a ruling to decide who's right and who's wrong, who pays, and who receives punitive damages. God did not want us to live a lifestyle based on the law. He wanted us to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we love our neighbors as ourselves, we don't go to court when there's a discrepancy, when there's a problem, because of meekness and humility, I'm willing to take the loss so that we can maintain a harmonious relationship with one another. There's no judge involved. There's no verdict involved. We came to an agreement in our moment of of a heated exchange, and we allowed the peace of God to reign in our life. We allowed grace and mercy and humility to be a part of our conversation, then there's no need for a legal system, there's no need for a judge. But when men choose not to live in harmony with one another, we choose not to allow allow peace and joy to reign, then the laws of God still apply. And Jesus explained, The laws are not been done away with. If you will fulfill the royal law, love God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself, then you have fulfilled the entire law of Moses. If Jesus makes that statement, how then do we throw out the law of Moses? We can't because Jesus said New Testament requirements is that we live according to these two laws love God with all your heart mind and soul love your neighbor as yourself and anyone that does that is no longer under the law because we're living a life of love joy peace long-suffering gentleness guess what there's no fighting when we're gentle with, with, with each other when we're kind to one another it deals with it it affects the strife and the tension and it breaks all these things and when i live a life of of quick to repent and quick to ask for forgiveness or even quick to forgive then there's no reason to have laws in place that that govern men's lives that tells us how to get along with one another where we have a judge that makes decisions that settles matters between our brothers and our sisters So the righteousness of faith, the third part that's missing, is the lifestyle of faith. We have this passage of scripture here in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. It says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, the righteousness of faith. This is the third part that's important. Here's another passage of scripture, Philippians three, nine, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. As I'm explaining, I'm explaining this over and over and over. If I live a lifestyle like the scribes and the Pharisees, one giving to understanding the scriptures understanding the laws, trying with all my might to live a life pleasing to God, not committing adultery, not fornicating, not lying, not giving to drunkenness, and this entire list listed there in Galatians. I'm also making an effort to have the righteousness of the Pharisees, but now I'm giving to prayer, and I'm giving to uh, fastings, I'm giving to feasts, and the feasts were very important days like the Sabbath and, and those holy holidays. And so we take those times and we make sure we're honoring God on those days. And then I'm also given to working and helping those in need. And, and I've got my demographic that I'm sowing into, and I'm giving money and alms. And I'm also giving sweat and effort as we're passing out clothing and we're passing out food. Guess what? You are 66% of righteousness because you're still missing the righteousness of faith through Jesus Christ. Salvation alone, salvation alone is not righteousness of faith. That's the starting point. But the just shall live by faith. The just, the righteous shall live by faith. It's an ongoing lifestyle. A lifestyle of faith in God, where he's speaking to me, and I believe his word, and that word is coming to pass in my life. A lifestyle of holiness does not require faith. Reading the scriptures and having understanding, the ability to teach it does not require faith. But hearing from God and believing him, now that's faith.
1: You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you His good treasure. Be blessed.